So I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 25, and it's going to be up on the screen as well. And I'm sure that you, if, you, if you've been around church much, you'll, you'll know what this, this parable is. Uh, but I want, to, I want to read it to you, and I'm reading it to you out of uh, the message version. So if you have a different version on your table or on your phone or, or whatever, just know that this is the message version. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled the master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with a single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done was, would, would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out a limb on a limb. Throw him into the outer darkness. I call this the, uh, the most favored passage for financial advisors. <laughs> right? It's okay, Kristen. I know you're sitting right here. It's all good. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? At least you could have given it to the bankers where you might get 0.0001% on it, right? I mean, right now, if you're looking at savings rates, but boy, if you would invest it right now, who knows what you could do? We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a a great question, Allison, is what would have happened if, if the first two um, if it had blown up in their face and they had nothing to show uh, back to him, right? Um, when you see Jesus, would you please ask him that question? Because, <laughs> I, because, because I, because I, I would like to know. I, I, yeah, I, I'd love to be able to elucidate that for you because I thought about that. Well, what happens? Um, what would right? You got to diversify. Yeah, we got we we know our money, don't we? We know we know money. Yeah, we 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 know money like we know food. I think it's so interesting that um, 
There's a beer sign up, a billboard up here. And what does it say? It doesn't say light beer from Miller tastes great, less filling. It says exactly the number of calories and carbohydrates. I mean, it tells you exactly what it is. It's like, for those of us who've done well enough to have money to invest somewhere, like we, we know all this language, diversification and risk and reward and, and all, all, all these kinds of things. We, 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 we know all this language. We know about investment. And yet I think most of us, well, I'll speak for myself, for many years, I was afraid to make the hardest investment, which is to love and to care for people outside of my circle of influence. I mean, it's hard enough to care and love for your family, right? I mean, you know, you didn't have a choice about them. They got saddled with you. You know, you got saddled with them. They're, they're hard enough to love sometimes. But then, but then to begin to think about, oh, well, there's a, there, there's a completely other world out there of people that, that really need to know that they are loved and cared for. That's one of the hardest investments to make. Because it'll break your heart. Because people let us down. People hurt us. They don't do what they said they were going to do. They don't follow through. And God calls us to have our hearts broken for other people. God calls us to love people outside of our usual circle of influence. That's something that's different about what Christians are supposed to be. We're, we're, we're not supposed to just love the people who look like us, act like us, think like us, believe like us, are part of the Presbyterian Church USA. That's our denomination, by the way, just so you know. Not that anybody cares, really. Except for my son, who's at a Methodist school and is proud to be Presbyterian, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, What's that? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it has, it has something pretty major to do with Jesus. Yeah. So, some of you know a bit about the story of my life, but um, early on, early on in, in, in my teenage years, or late teenage years, um, I went through some really difficult stuff. And, um, and I've just realized recently that through some of those difficult things, what I did is I made a decision to be really stingy uh, with love. Because when I had cared for people, they'd hurt me. And I I spent years um, wondering why I didn't have friends, really. I spent years wondering why I, I couldn't make connections with other people in a really deep way. And I kept thinking it was their problem. Right? I mean, what's the matter with them? I'm lovable enough. I mean, look at me. I got good hair. I have hair. Oh, sorry. I'm going to get gang tackled by about six guys after this, so 
I mean, you know, it was, it was just this interesting thing. I got very focused on me and how, and, 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 and protecting myself and, and, and keeping myself in this, in this sort of bubble. And I didn't even realize it. I mean, all this was going on while, while I'm pastor of this church. And, um, and I kept wondering, like, what, what is this about? Like, what, what's going on? Like, what am I, what am I doing or what are they doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And, then, and, and, and I don't know when it dawned on me, like how, how it happened. It wasn't like an instant sort of thing, but I realized, oh, oh. It's because I'm afraid to make the hardest investment you can ever make in your life. Which is to risk loving other people to be open to them and to care for them. Now, what I'm not saying is that you ought to just let people run over you, use you as a doormat. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean it's not love. Love is very much about holding each other accountable and responsible to things, about, about when, when people don't do what they said they were going to do, that you let them know in a, in a loving and caring way, not in a, in a rude and angry way. That's where we often get it wrong. People hurt us and then we go back and we're going to hurt them even more. And so um, in, the past, in the past year or so, in the past year or so, I have been, uh, I've been part of a, a group, uh, a networking group here called Synapse. And Synapse is a networking group that um, it's, about, it's about business people trying to make business connections and that sort of thing. But each, each networking group is, part of, is connected to a nonprofit. And so part of what we do is every time we have a meeting, we hear about what's going on uh, with that nonprofit and the kind of work that they're trying to do. And what's been really interesting is that uh, after some of those meetings, people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, that's what church ought to be like. Because people sit around the tables and they share their stories. One of those nonprofits is the McShin Foundation. And the reason why Westminster Church is hosting this is because of that connection um, through that network and then our congregation's willingness to say yes to things that we don't know what will happen. (laughs) I had not seen this display before. I'd seen pictures of it, but I had not seen it before. And so when we were talking about having it here, I'm like, absolutely, we want to do that. And I said, and we want to host a vigil. We don't want to just have this display up here. We... We want to do something that shows the love of God in the midst of this. Not just showing this incredible addiction epidemic that's going on, but we, we want to bring the force of what we believe the gospel is into this. And so Friday night we gathered and had a vigil outside in the cold. Um, there were a number of, of Westminster people who were there. Thank you for being there. Um, and what I, talked to, what I talked to that group about was... And most of them were recovering addicts and families who've lost people, who've had children die, family members die because of uh, related to addiction. And what I told them, uh, I had them get up close to each other, and and, and we were holding candles, and so they, I said, just put your elbows, you know, touch 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 elbows. And I said to them, one of the things that science is, is now discovering, which theology has always known, is that we're all connected. Quantum 
theory, quantum physics um, is at least positing that we are all connected. And that we have, that, that when something happens with one of us, it affects the whole system. And so I said, when you, look at, when you look out on these crosses, don't see just an individual. And don't just see their family. See our community. See our state. See our country. See our world. Because when we lose one of us, it affects all of us. And we as Christians, we as people who follow Jesus are ones called to say that to the world. To call ourselves out to make the hardest investment that we can make, which is to extend beyond ourselves and just our circle of influence out into the world, to affect change out into the world. And this church, your congregation, we are doing that. Last week, we, uh, if you were here, you remember we had Refugee Sunday and we had the, the leader of Reestablished Richmond come and talk about what they're doing locally. We, we showed some videos from our denomination and the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance and what they're doing internationally. And in, in that offering, just in this seven days, we've, we've raised over $1,500 to help those two organizations. I mean, that's some cool stuff. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, right? But $750 to each one of those organizations, who knows what that can do? For reestablished Richmond, who knows how many more, more uh, women can get their driver's, you know, their driver's permits to be able to engage in this country and to, and to begin to live their life here? Who knows what we can do internationally with that? How many families we can feed? But that's what we do. We, we have to call ourselves out to invest because there, there are three big reasons, you know, to be selfish and stingy. And that's me, myself, and I. Right? Because that's what I've learned in my life is that when I get, wait, when I get too focused on myself, about my problems and my worries and my concerns, then I, I, I don't make, I don't connect. I don't connect. And my heart sort of turns to stone. And I, and I don't even realize it. The Bible talks about, you know, in the beginning, when I, was, when I was talking earlier, in the beginning, God created everything and God said, it is good. But then you move on to Genesis chapter 3 and you hear about how we also have a hu- the propensity to turn into ourselves to want to make ourselves into God, to want to be in control, to, to make sure our futures are secure, and to forget about the great gift that we've been given, which is to care for this earth and to care for all of the other people because we are all connected. And so today in, at Westminster Church, we're making our financial commitments. And that's a big piece of um, having your heart broke open. Because we know, especially right now, like if you were to put the whatever money you just put in this 
basket and you were to put it in the market, at least right now, it's doing this. And those numbers in the account look like they're going somewhere. Of course, we don't know where it's, it's going, but that's, it's going somewhere. But what we do when we, when we make a commitment into the life of this community, in a sense, we are, we're breaking open our hearts by breaking open our pocketbooks for the work of what we're doing in the world. And when a congregation does work, it's, it's a lot harder to define sometimes than if you were to give to the McShin Foundation, which is all about recovery, or to the Beacon Tree Foundation, which I'm on the board of, which is all about supporting families with children who have mental illness. They have a very defined mission. Our mission is much more universal and global. When we give into the life of this congregation, um, we're affecting the children that sit around here. By surrounding them with aunts and uncles and grandmothers and grandfathers who are not related to them. We're showing them what it's like to be in a community where we care about people who aren't just in our circle of influence. We're part of a community that is intergenerational, which is difficult to find these days. If you're, if you're a certain age, you generally hang out with those people. So, you know, if you're, if you're a young family and you've got young children, you're generally hanging out with young families with young children. You often live in neighborhoods where there are young families with young children. And if, if you live close to family, fine, you've got generations. But I'll never forget the gift of growing up in a church community where, you know, I had aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas that weren't related to me by blood at all. And they actually cared about me. And they wanted for my best, and they, and they would correct me. And they would hold me accountable to what it, was, to what it meant to be in that community. And that, that's part of what we create here. Part of what we create when we, when we break our hearts open and, and we give into the life of this congregation with our time and talents and resources is we make it so that we can have awesome worship services with music and scripture. We make it so that we can have a warm place on a cold morning to worship. We make it so that um, over 300 people can come through this building every week in 12-step programs. If you heard last week, over, uh, it's, I think, what was the average of hours that we give this building away, Gordon, do you remember? Almost 100 hours, almost 100 hours a month that we give this building away for the work of mission and ministry in this community. If you were to charge $25 an hour, just do the math times one month, times 12 months, the kind of impact that that makes that we're able to give because of us giving into the life of the congregation. We're able to send a message in a world of Christianity now which is much, seems much more divisive and angry we're, because that's not who we are and that's not who we believe Jesus is. We're able to send a message that... that the God that we know in Jesus cares about all people. Loves all people. Wants to draw all people into a community where they can be surrounded by love and where they can participate in that love, where they can receive and give that love, where they can find healing and hope 
and home. Because we live in a world now where we are more connected than ever and where there's more depression and anxiety and loneliness than we've ever seen in the history of humankind. And we get the opportunity to stand against that when we break open our hearts and break open our pocketbooks and give into the life of this community. And so I just, I'd love for you to just think about the investment that you're making in the love that you give to others. To reimagine investment. To reimagine what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the world today. To be part of this congregation that is very focused on following Jesus wherever Jesus leads. Out in this community to use this building as a tool for ministry, but also to, to, to be able to use every one of our lives as a mission outpost to send a message of love and hope and grace, which is the hardest investment to make. And so I pray that you would not live like this third person in the story, live in fear of what might happen if you took a risk in love. I pray that you would trust in the love that God has given us to make that investment and maybe get your heart broken because it might just be the best thing that you ever did. May God bless us all as we make that investment. Amen.